0: Cheaper than our producer's underage system. Edgier than the stuff shown on late night television. Newer than Kim Kardashian's X. Live from Orlando,
1: it's Crazy Train Radio.
0: new book that came out April 1st, and it's no joke, because it's no bullshit coming from this guy. right. <laughs> you recognize oh, the voice, Bob Holly. How you doing, sir?
1: Oh, good. Hey, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, I really do appreciate it a lot, because um, without you guys, I, I, you know, I'd be absolutely nothing. I mean, zero. I wouldn't exist. So, And I just want to thank everybody out there, too, and especially you guys for having me on you know, to get my story out there.
0: Well, uh, we also have to, and we'll be talking in during the next segment, uh, the co-author Ross Williams for uh, setting this up for sure. But uh, what's the response been for the book since it's been out a couple days now?
1: You know what? I'm very fortunate that everybody has really liked it so far, and everybody that I have came in contact with and talked to, even on Twitter, they've said that they can't put the book down it's it's very interesting and it's you know and it's one of these books it's not an axe to grind so i don't want people to think that you know so it's it's i call everything like i see it everything is my opinion and my opinion only and it, i talk about the inner workings of the politics you know in the locker room and stuff like that and i talk about how i got started in wrestling and how how uh how I came upon the author of my book which is Ross Williams who did a fantastic job I couldn't ask for a better job for somebody to put my words on paper and he he just did a I can't tell you enough how great of a job he did but um yeah it's 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 a very interesting book and every time I've had to edit it me and my wife went back and edited it I get caught up in the stories to where it's still interesting, you know, so we've had to edit it so many times, but every time, you know, I get caught up in into the stories and stuff, and it's, it's just, I think people are going to find it very, very interesting. Well, speaking of
0: Ross, uh, your co-author, how did you come across finding him and knowing he was the guy to work with?
1: You know, it's funny because, you know, I called ECW Press to see what, steps I needed to take because me and my wife were just sitting around and I was just telling road stories and this and that and she's like you need to write a book and I did, and it just really never dawned on me that people would be interested in my book which I'm sure a lot of people aren't but you know but the thing is it's like um, I have all these stories and all these stories about politics and stuff like that and how the business works you know my point of view and so I called we, we got a book, because I, I have a few books from ECW Press, so I got in touch with Michael Holmes and talked to him, and he said, the best thing for me to do is try to find somebody in the area that could write for me, because, of course, I'm not a writer. And so I um, got to talking to one of my friends over in England, long story short, and he said, how about giving me a crack at it? He said, I, you know, he's a, he's a screen, Ross Williams is a screenwriter, he writes for plays, uh, he he does journalism, he writes for magazines and such, and I thought, you know what, sure, why not? So um, I got back in contact with Michael Holmes, and he said, tell you what, have him send us a uh, a little transcript of what he's going to write, a proposal, so to speak. And so Ross wrote up, and, and in fact, what he sent Michael Holmes was the very first story in there of Ross Williams wrestling me. <laughs> and Michael Holmes was hooked, and he got back in touch with me and said, you know, we want we want you to go ahead and go forward with this project, so mailed Ross and I a contract and everything, and so, um, you know, it just went from there. And so far it's been successful. You know, ECW Press is really happy with it, really, really happy. But uh, have
0: you heard from uh, any fans or anybody uh, non-business side of things uh, say anything to you about the book so far?
1: Oh yeah, on Twitter I get people all the time on Twitter telling me, you know, what a great story it was, how they they just thoroughly enjoyed the read and it, they just, you know. And I'm not, you know, I'm not just saying this, but so far everybody that's been following me on Twitter and uh, have really liked the book. They really do. They were very surprised that it, it it's as good as it is.
0: Well, I'll be honest with you, Bob. Uh, I read the book. Uh, I, I saw it in stores as I was telling you off air, uh, by about a week or two before it came out publicly on the first air. And you're right. It was one of those books you couldn't put down. And I do read a lot of books and sp- a lot of wrestling, you know, just different uh, genres of things. And especially with wrestling, uh, you notice guys, a lot of guys or gals try to, uh, talk about their career and I guess the best way for them where your book seems right. to be hey this is what it was whether you agree with your opinion or not you seem to be a little more honest than most are
1: right and and the way I looked at it too yeah I didn't become world champion but you know what that's what I wanted to be but I never got to be so and I was I'm okay with that as I talk about in my book it was just never meant to be You know, I can't complain. I have no complaints whatsoever, you know, because I didn't get where I wanted to get, but I'm okay with that, you know, and it is what it is. And, you know, and the thing is with Ross writing this book, too, most people that write for other wrestlers, they don't know that they've never been in the ring before. They don't know the business side of wrestling. Ross, he he's wrestled before he's been he's been in the business so it helps a lot when you have somebody writing that knows the business you know in a sense so but yeah it's it's it, it was great i'm so glad you liked it you know i was really worried there for a second i was like you know oh gosh i hope he likes it. you know cuz i worry about that stuff you know cuz But I'm just thankful that you liked it, you know, and I really appreciate that. Well,
0: as you mentioned about uh, not being a world champion and everything, yes, the business is a work, and people can say what they want about the wrestling business. But do you think uh, there was ever an issue such as, it seems like whenever you started to get, they started to maybe use you in storylines or whatever, something would happen. You broke your arm or your neck happened or something always seemed to, injury-wise, happen when you'd be getting a push.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and see, uh, the thing is, is, it's, you know, it's not that I was injury prone, it was other people, you know, things going wrong in the match where I end up getting hurt, which is nobody's fault, it's just something that happened. And it it, it did seem like it was start, stop, start, stop, and, you know, I, I just think that whatever direction they had me going, and then when I got hurt, And then when I came back, it was almost like they weren't sure where to put me again. You know, which I I was okay with that because it's like, you know, these guys know what they're doing. All I have to do is work hard, you know, do what I'm told to do, and everything will work out. You know, I'll eventually get back to where I was before. And which, you know, I never really did, but the way I honestly look at it is... I had the privilege of working for that company for almost sixteen years. I had a great run during the Attitude Era. You know, I, I honestly couldn't ask for any more than that. I really couldn't, because if I did, that would be very selfish. You know, it was what it was. It was never meant to be for me to really become world champion or intercontinental champion, despite getting injured here and there and having to start and stop. Yeah, it got frustrating, don't get me wrong. But I always kept the outlook where things are going to turn around for me. They will eventually turn around. All i got to do is keep working hard, keep doing what I'm told to do, and eventually it will all come back to me, which the way I looked at it was, yeah, I worked hard. I have no, you know, I can hold my head up high about that, that I did work hard and I didn't kiss anybody's ass to get where I was, you know. That's one thing I didn't do, you know. I wasn't about to bow down and kiss anybody's ass. But the way I look at it, I must have done something right to be with that company for as long as I did, and and I think it it attributes to my hard work, you know, that I put in every single night, you know. So I just, you know, I I just I have no complaints about anything, you know, about
0: the way you're handled. Where
1: I wasn't, yeah. Well, yeah.
0: the two injuries, if we can mention that really stand out that they could have built something on when you came back was what. Well, the first one they did a little bit uh, when you got the lacerated back there with uh, working with RVD that yep. that they tried to use you as a face for a little while there, which really, as far as the fans are concerned, showed a lot
1: of respect. They did. They really did. And and see, I you know I was supposed to, you know I'm a heel, and then. What happened was because they cheered me that night, out of respect of working hard and putting on a good show for the fans, they decided to turn me babyface, which was a bad move and 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 they realized that, you know, just because they cheered me at the end of a match because of you know working hard doesn't mean they should turn somebody babyface right away, and they realized that too. you know, so I think that kind of hurt my character a little bit in that sense, but um, yeah, I just, sometimes you don't question what they do and why. You just go along with it and try to help them with ideas along the way. Well,
0: with that cut there that you got when you guys went through the table there, did you, like, did you realize you were cut right away or how bad or did you realize what was going on until somebody told you?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know. I just thought when we went through the table, it just felt like somebody, you know, it felt like I had a sunburn and somebody slapped me on my Ooh. back. Yeah. That's just what it felt like. I was like, man, that, you know, it just stung a little bit. And we were during, it was, you know, and it was live, of course, uh, we were during commercial break because that was the cue to go to commercial when we went through the table. And so um, the referee jumped out of the ring and said, you guys start rolling around because we're fixing to come back live in about a minute and a half. So I rolled over to all fours and kind of propped up a little bit, and I saw a big puddle of blood like somebody had been shot. And I was like, where in the hell did that come from? And I looked down, yeah, and I saw all this blood running down my side, and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? And so, the, you know, the doctor and the trainer came running to the ringside, and they wanted to look at it because Vince wanted them to look at it because they knew how bad it was, and I didn't think it was that bad. I was like, shit, I'm still walking. I can wrestle. I can still go. Yeah. You know, just like when I broke my arm, I still finished the match. So – you know, I'm I'm still walking, so why not finish? So I got up on the apron, and the doctor and the trainer said, "Vince wants us to look at it. Come here and let it." I said, "No, I said, get the f away from me. I'm gonna finish this match." So I rolled back in the ring, and when I was on all fours, I just caught out of the side of my eye. I looked up at the Titantron, and the camera was right on that cut. And I was like, "Oh my God, that is not good." <laughs> and, you know, and that's when I realized it was bad. Oh. So, but you know, I just I thought you know what I'm still breathing I still got both legs underneath me I'm gonna finish this match because I have a job to do and that's to get Rob over and so that's why I kept but going. stuff like
0: it. that that I think definitely at least in the back earned you that respect. The yeah it
1: did. I, I mean honestly I think I had the people's respect before you know at least I want to think that but um, You know, because I've always worked hard for everybody, despite, you know, no matter what. And, but I think that really put me over the top as far as, you know, people respecting my work and stuff like that. I I think so. You know, people are, some people that the haters are going to disagree with me, and that's okay, because they hate me. And apparently I did something right if I can get people to hate me. Hey, you were
0: doing your job, earning your paycheck, so. That's right. That's right. Well, uh obviously, yeah, we don't want to, we want people to buy the book, so we're not going to hit too too many stories, but the other injury that I was really interested in and in seeing that uh how much he how well he treated you was Kurt Angle with the uh, when he broke your arm accidentally.
1: Oh, he treated me like gold, you know. And I talk about that yeah. in my book. He you know, he felt so bad and and you know, and uh, he, he the guy went as far as coming to the hospital and seeing me that night, making sure I was okay. You know, he took me back to my room, dropped me off. He even went, and this is at 1 o'clock in the morning, went somewhere, got me something to eat, brought it back to my room. Um, he got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, picked me up at the hotel, took me to the airport. I mean, this guy went above and beyond and he ha- he didn't have to do any of that, because it was just, you know, and I really appreciate that. And that, you know, and ever since that day, I had so much respect for Kurt, and I always will, you know. And, and plus, Kurt's a hell of a, a worker, too. You know, he's one of the best. Uh, uh,
0: what do you think it was? Do you think it was the amateur uh, career that helped him pick up on things so quickly?
1: You know, I want to say, yeah. But then there's a lot of amateurs that don't get it, you know. So I just think Kurt has just the natural athletic talent, you know, for the business and and to be able to transition from amateur wrestling to pro wrestling, you know, because there is some amateurs that don't get it, you know. So, you know, I just think Kurt has a, a different – he's at a, a different level when it comes to talent as to other opposed to other amateur wrestlers.
0: Well, you know what's funny, uh, uh, one more thing with Kurt, too, that – I really respect it with him. Uh, we uh, haven't had him on air yet, but we uh, talk, were talking about a couple of events we were at together. And the thing that I really respected about him was he says after the 96 Olympics, Vince came calling and offered him multi-millions of dollars and the whole bit. But he said, you know what, I turned it down. Then a couple years later, I worked my way up to making the big money when I decided to give Russ on a shot. And how can you not respect that?
1: Oh, you've got to, because, you know, let me tell you something, that guy turning down that money like that, and then coming back to the company a couple years later, and working in Memphis, you know, working little small shows here and there to get experience, I mean, you get, you, how can you not respect that? Because he wanted to earn his spot on the card, and he damn sure earned every bit of it, you know, he, you know, he became world champion, he became everything, he does, he deserved to be where he was at uh, you know he he put in a lot of hard work he really did and I just have I have a ton of respect for the guy I really do
0: well another guy you worked with uh, quite closely for a while there who's actually I consider one of the tough guys in the business though not, not many people might think of it is Al Snow
1: yes Al's a tough bastard he yes he is yeah and he, uh, what's uh, working with Al like because he's certainly an entertaining guy for sure he, he really is. Let me say one more thing about Kurt, too. Um, you know, people always talk about how rough, you know, I am and stuff like that. But let me tell you something. When you get in the ring with Kurt Angle, you better be ready to go. And, you, I mean, because he will eat you alive. And he is – you talk about rough. This guy is one of the roughest of the roughest because he brings it. And that's what I love about Kurt, too. You know, so on that note, we'll switch over to Al. And Al – Al, could, Al is another one, too, and I loved Al. Al always made me laugh in the ring, always. I had so much fun with him because I'd beat on him and beat on him, and he would say these little smart-ass things in the ring while I was beating on him, and he'd make me start giggling, you know, and I'd have to cover up. But Al, he would, you know, if I brought it to Al, which Al knew I would, Al always brought it back to me, you know, so he knew that I liked it like that you know, so Al's one of them kind of guys where if you work pretty easy with him, he'll work easy with you. He makes me, his name, he just makes me laugh. <clears throat> and, um, but if you work rough with him, if he knows your style, he's going to work rough back with you, you know, which that's that's the way it should be. But Al's, he, Al's, he's got a great mind for the business too. You know, he's another one that I just think that they kind of dropped the ball on because I think they could have done a lot more with Al. I really, really do.
0: But he seems a lot, yeah, you know, knowing Al a little bit seems a lot like you. He knows the game. He didn't kiss anybody's ass and just did what he was asked.
1: Right, he did. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. he didn't suck up to nobody. You know, and 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 I respect people like that. You know, and it's like these guys that, you know, uh, there's so many guys that I'd sit there and listen to in catering or in the locker room and. Say that certain things about a certain person here and there, but and then when they'd see him, they'd walk right up to him, "Hey, buddy, how you doing? It's good to see." You, blah, blah, I mean, just and I just would make me sick to my stomach, you know. Here you are, just talking about this person, what a backstabbing sob he is, and then you're walking up to him, sucking his ass, you know, and that drove me nuts. And and it's like I just, I don't know, I just and. I've got a really good friend that is like that. I love him to death. I'm not going to mention his name, but, you know, he, he's he's one of the worst offenders like that, but, you know, it, it is what it is, and if that's your forte to suck people's ass to get where you want to get, fine, but that's just not my style. My I I want to get to the top, you know, by hard work. I want talent, you know, to... To speak for itself.
0: That's for sure.
1: You know, that's just the way I am. I mean, it may be the wrong way to look at things, but I just, you know, just for, that's just the way I look at it. You know, I I don't know. And see, money's not everything to me. You know, yeah, being world champion comes along with making a ton of money, and... To me, I, I'm not gonna suck somebody's ass just so I can become something, just so I can make millions of dollars. It's just not. That's just not my style.
0: Well, you know, it's funny with Al and I believe it was Mick Foley that I heard tell the story. Talking to him one night was, uh, and it included you. You got. It, I believe it was you, Foley, uh, Al, and I believe it might have been Sid involved in a car ride. with as. Uh, you doing an impression of Elvis?
1: Oh, that was, that was, that was me. And, um, (laughs) that was me, Mick, and, uh, Al. Yeah, Sid wasn't with us. He wasn't there at the time. Yeah, I remember that. We were in Austin, Texas. (laughs) Yes, I remember that. No, actually, it wasn't Austin, Texas. I think we were, oh, hell, where was that? It was in October, and that's when Mick, it, that's when Mick put in some Christmas music in October. And I'm like, I love Christmas music, don't get me wrong, but there's a time for Christmas music.
0: Yeah.
1: And we hadn't even got through Halloween yet, and he's putting Christmas music in. You know, and so I said, what the hell are you – I said, no, we're not going to listen to Christmas music. And so, you know Al, Al, you know, Al and Mick just said, okay, what do you want to hear? And they started – out. Mick started naming off all these uh, – CDs that he had, and he said, I got Elvis, and that's when I was like, oh, and I popped big, because I love Elvis, you know, Elvis music, <laughs> so he put in Elvis, and I started singing in the back seat, you know, so, yeah, that, that's, I talk about that in my book, too, that was, that was, that was a good road trip, that was yeah, funny. because uh, Mick yes. was
0: saying, you know, yeah, yeah, you were, you're a great guy, and all that, but he goes, Bob was in one of those moods, but as soon as I said Elvis, you, you just, yeah, you know, you're in the back seat <laughs> popping.
1: Yes. Oh, I popped huge when when he put in Elvis. That was that was he awesome. He, that he was, was awesome. He saying you would he would
0: look in the mirror and you you'd be trying to curl your lip and on the back and singing and you were just
1: <laughs>
0: yes. you were kidding Christmas. That's for sure.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I might have done a terrible impression of Elvis, but you know what? I didn't care. Yeah, he
0: said your mood <laughs> just changed 180 degrees. It was I, oh yeah. It was just yeah. one of the funniest uh, things he's yes. ever seen. <laughs>
1: It's amazing what Elvis will do for somebody.
0: Trust me, I'm only 28, and I'm a huge Elvis fan since I've been six or seven.
1: Nice.
0: Nice. Hey, grew up with a DJ. What can I say? (laughs) uh, Hell yeah. You know, obviously, the one angle was always taken with Tough Enough with you and Matt and whatnot, but could you actually see yourself training full-time eventually?
1: You know what? I can. I could. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what? Despite what some people think that I'm too rough on these young guys, let me tell you something. I don't treat them no different than I treat anybody else in the ring. You know, and the thing is, what did I do to Matt Capitelli that was so bad? He got a he got a fat lip and a you know, a bloody nose. I can't tell you countless times that I've had the fat lip and the bloody nose and I never wanted to quit. I mean, for God's sakes, I've cracked my vertebrae against Brock, I kept wrestling, I broke my arm completely in two, kept wrestling, Mae Young goes through a table and gets the crap kicked out of her, and she keeps wrestling, so, and people want to jump on me for what I did to Matt Capitelli, that's kind of silly if you ask me, wrestling is, you know, wrestling is a rough business, and I've never done anything to anybody that, that's bad to where they miss, miss out, you know, or they're out from wrestling, You know, I wrestle nobody no different than the new guys. But the thing with me is I strive to get the best out of somebody. And when I train, because I love training people. I love helping people, you know, especially when I know that there's something there. You know, so, and the whole thing with Matt Capitelli, you know, I was pretty much dictated to go in there and see what he's made of, just like I was dictated to do a lot of guys. And so, but, yeah, as far as training young talent, I love helping them guys, you know. And I want I want to pull the best out of them and see what they can do. And, you know, yeah, I'm hard on people, but also I'm good to them in the same <laughs> aspect, you know. So, and, and that's because... I want them to be the best they can be because when they get to that level of WWE, you've got to be good, you know. And that's why I want to help these guys become better so when they do get to WWE, you know, they got a chance to, to go all the way to the top.
0: Well, is, do you notice if that's a big deal or a big difference compared to when you were towards the end of uh, the territories in Mobile and Memphis and all where today, yes, WWE has FCW and you see guys rush through to TV right away yeah. Do you notice if that's a big uh, difference compared to when you came in as far as how guys
1: yeah, are crisp but, yeah because you know what back when I started there was small territories everywhere and these territories had TVs and you wrestled every single night in these territories traveling around you know and you stayed within your area and that's how these guys got so good and got experience you know and then the best of those small territories were the guys who were elevated to WWE so it's just kinda like a rotation because when the best of the small territories left then somebody else would come up and become the best at that small territory also so and you got plenty of experience in front of crowds and stuff like that on TV and everything so when you did leave the small territory, you were ready for the big T V with WWE. You were ready. You know, and now you don't have small territories anymore. So WWE ended up having a training camp. They built one and I think they're building one in Orlando now to be actually bigger than the one in Tampa. So and that's and I think a lot of times they think a guy is ready and they're not and when they hotshot him, you know. Up to the main stage, then a lot of times these guys aren't ready, and I think it hurts. It hurts, you know, that the confidence of whoever that person is, especially if they have to bring them back down to, um, you know, FCW. So, yeah, I, I just think not having small territories really hurts the talent pool now. Well, Bob, thank you for taking a few minutes. Do you have uh, any uh, book signings coming up uh, to promote the book? You know, I we're working on some right now, and when I do have anything, I've just did one in uh, Iowa, and I've got another one coming up. We don't have the dates yet, but as soon as I get dates and stuff like that, I'm gonna um, put that out. I've got uh, I've got one in England coming up in November, and also in November I go to Australia. I've got one there coming up too. So um, as soon as the information, I get more information on, and and to lock these down, I'll pay, be able, I'll pass everything on Twitter and out on the internet and stuff like that, so people can, you know, come see me and and uh, get an autograph or picture or whatever. But yeah, I just um, and people can follow me on Twitter at the Bob Holly. And let me can I tell you something real quick too on Twitter. Okay, I hate keeping nah, him nah, waiting. Nah, him. Telling, he, he can he, wait. He, <laughs> he's the man though, <laughs> but um. On Twitter, one thing I try to do, and I I do my best, I try to talk to everybody, you know, because I notice, and I know how it feels, because I've tried to talk to people in racing and stuff like that, and they just won't answer you back or just, you know, let you, you know, just, you know, say anything to let you know that they got their message or whatever, but I I tweet everybody that tweets me, you know, so I may not get to it right right when they tweet me, so but i do tweet everybody that tweets me and you know if i miss somebody i'm sorry but i i do get to everybody that i can, the best that i can and that's one thing that i've been praised for on twitter is i talk back to my fans you know so and that's and to me that's very important because why do you have twitter if you're not going to talk to anybody on there you know so and and that's what i try to do that's that's the least i can do to give back to everybody you know, so I just wanted to throw that out there, you know. So if you follow me on Twitter, I, I will talk to you. Nice. Bob Holly, thanks a lot. Yep, thank you, man. And, it, hey, I just thank you so much because without this platform, you giving given me this platform, I can't get my message out there and get my book out there. So, you know, it's an honor to be on your show, and I, I have so much respect for you guys, and I thank you so much.